What's up, guys? This is Mike. This is Dave, and you're listening to the Mike and Dave Podcast. What's up, everybody? Dave here. Welcome back to the Mike and Dave Podcast. Episode 39 today, and it's a special one. Only happens once per season, for the NBA at least. It's time for us to release our 2022 NBA preseason tier list. This is where we break down each team and rank them from 30 all the way to number one uh, in five different tiers. If you've been a fan of the podcast for a while, then you know the drill. Uh, Because these tend to last a little bit longer, because we go through all 30 teams, we're going to skip our normal recurring segments and just do the tier list today. So hopefully you'll you'll forgive us for that. Uh, The next podcast, episode 40, will have... Uh, those as well as the next top five. So you can look forward to that as well. But I don't want to waffle on for too long. Uh, Mike, you excited to get underway with this tier list? Absolutely. Not only is the NBA my favorite sports league, but our tier lists are my favorite episodes that we do, my favorite of all of our segments. So it's basically combining like these two great things that I like to do. So Let's just go ahead and get right into it then. Just to recap our five tiers that we're going to break down, we've got our no shots, our long shots, our uh, hopefuls, our contenders, and our finals favorites. And within each tier, we're going to number them off as well so that you can get a feel like, okay, within this tier, these teams are better, this team's better than this team. But every team in this team is in this tier is worse than every team in this next tier, so on and so forth. So without any further ado, let's just kick this off with number thirty, the worst in the NBA, at least as we're predicting. It's the Houston Rockets. Now, not to sound like we're cheating or anything, but this <laughs> did end up being the worst team in the NBA last year. So we are kind of just like keeping them where they're at. Uh Looking at their roster, you know, Jalen Green, they are bringing in uh, the number three pick, Jabari Smith. Uh, Kevin Porter still there. They're they're finally done with uh, this John Wall weird situation. Not that that really affects their their court performance because he wasn't he wasn't playing for them last year. But I'm just looking at this team. Not a lot of talent. Not a lot of experience that's going to compete on a night-to-night basis, and it's not like they're even going to be trying to, really. This is a team that's going to be looking to make another high draft selection next year. I think 30 or thereabouts seems like the right area for them. Yeah, for sure. These Houston Rockets are not cleared for takeoff this year, just like it's been the past couple of years. Although I heard you say one thing I disagree with. You said they don't have much of talent or experience. Boban Marjanovic has both of those things. So let's let's just let's just pause real quick and acknowledge that. Um they better give that man some minutes this season. That's all I'm saying. I mean, at this point, he's 34 years old, like he's in his prime. Like, come on, get him the ball, honestly. Uh in all seriousness, no, or in all seriousness, I, I think that uh the Rockets, I mean, they've they've got, and we're gonna probably say this a few more times, but they've got some really exciting young pieces in their core. They're just not ready to compete with all of these other teams that 
have more experience that are a little bit more polished. But as far as raw talent goes, I mean, I really like these guys. Tari Eason as well. I'm really looking forward to see what he can do. Uh, he's been playing pretty well in the preseason. He played really well in the summer league. So looking forward to uh, a good season from him. Now, moving on to number 29. And this is a team that for the past, I don't even know how many years, would never have even thought to be put in the no-shot category. But when their own coach basically says that they have no shot to win the championship this year, I think it's okay. I'm talking about the San Antonio Spurs. Mike, it's got to, I mean, it feels kind of weird having the Spurs this low. You know what I mean? Yeah, and when we were doing this tier list together, because obviously this is a uh, a collaborative effort, as opposed to like our top five, where we just kind of like, come to the table separately. Uh, My only stipulation with the Spurs was that they couldn't be number 30 because pop is still the coach. Once we uh, dropped the rockets there, I was like, okay, I'm, I'm okay to put the the Spurs here now. I mean, they blew it up with DeJounte Murray as a Hawks fan. Thank you. Uh, In like in that trade, all they were really looking for was future draft capital. Uh, Pretty much as clear an indicator as you can get aside from like what you said that, pop said about you know they're not gonna be competing looking at their roster devin vassell keldon johnson Jakob purtle like josh primo cool like there are guys that are like interesting pieces i guess but like none of these are gonna you're, you're not even gonna be sniffing the playoffs with any of these pieces uh it's gonna be lacking on court leadership i expect um, I'm looking at like a lack of floor generalship for starters. Uh, this team has every intention of just securing a high draft pick and moving forward with the next like generation of Spurs basketball. For sure. And, you know, I, I'm sure that, that under pop, they're still going to go out there and compete every single night. That's not in doubt. It's just, they don't have the talent, uh, and they don't really, they're not really trying to compete for a championship what they are trying to do is develop all these young pieces and see what they have uh and you know i'm sure they're looking at a couple of these top guys in the 2023 nba draft and salivating over the prospects of those guys so uh hey all i'm saying is that pop drafted a uh guy from france once and that worked out really well maybe he wants to do the same thing again this time with victor Wimbanyama. uh now moving on to number 28 this team has actually been in the bottom for a little while now. It's the Oklahoma City Thunder. We got to start with Chet Holmgren. What a shame to lose this guy. Uh, obviously getting injured uh, in that Pro-Am game that he was playing in. His foot, he's going to be out for the whole season. I know f- I, for one, on this podcast was promoting him, saying that I thought he was going to do really well this year. And I stand by that. I, I-, I think that he would have, but you know, injuries, they're kind of hard to predict. Uh, a lot of people were saying that this would be an issue for him and that proved true. Hopefully it'll be a situation where, uh, you know, he misses his rookie season and then that's that's a freak injury type of thing and that doesn't follow him. But I mean, the rest of the roster, it's an interesting combination. I'm really high on Josh Giddy. I think that he, uh, when he came into the league, he was a little bit unpolished, but he's done a great job of of growing. I mean, he's a triple-double threat at that point guard position. Uh, so, obviously, I really like him. Shea Gilgis-Alexander, 
he's still their guy. Is he worth a max contract? Probably not, in my opinion. But I mean, he's their one guy that they um, that they got from that Paul George trade, and so they're just gonna make sure that they have at least one guy who's who's a basically a sure thing. I mean, I like what they did in the draft uh, as well. It's just like with Jalen Williams, um, but they're still not going to compete. Like, let's be honest. They have no shot of winning the championship. So we're going to put them at 28. Again, one of these teams with a great young core, but when it comes down to it, they're still probably going to end up with one of the worst records in the league this year. Also shout out Lou Dort. Uh, I like him. I like what he brings to the table. It's just that the thunder don't exactly have a lot on that table. Anyway, Uh, this is a, um, a placemat team, if you will, and not like a, a five course meal type of team, but that sets the place, if you will, for number 27, the Orlando magic. And I want to keep the puns going. They're not going to be like making any magic happen down there in Orlando. Uh, I mean, they're rather just going to be making their like hopes disappear for this season. You could say that a winning season is not in the cards for them. (laughs) One they, could say that. They they can pull a bunny out of their hat, but they can't pull a W out of it. <laughs> anyway, number one overall pick, Paulo Bancaro. Fascinating. Uh, defensive question marks related to his effort. Um, I'm interested to see how he looks on the court. Um, offensively, I'm sure he'll do fine. Defensively, who knows? Uh, otherwise, looking at like... Jalen Suggs, Cole Anthony, and when I say looking at Cole Anthony, I just mean in regular games because Lord help me if I ever have to watch this man in the dunk contest again. The Wagner brothers, Mo, and far more importantly, Franz. Like Jonathan Isaac, of course, like pieces exist there. They're building something in Orlando, but that doesn't mean it's built. They're not doing anything this year. Mark it. Yeah, there's no way. Uh, now, I will say they've got a couple of centers who intrigue me in Bol Bol and Mo Bamba, kind of cut from a similar cloth. Um, if they ever decide to just go rogue and just put both of them on the court at the same time, that would certainly be interesting. Uh, please, Jamal Mosley, just decide to do that just for me, just for like a few minutes at least. Then at least I would actually watch the Magic play. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I feel like I don't need to roast them anymore. They just haven't been good for a long time. So anyways, uh, we'll just move on to number 26 to another team that uh, kind of like the Spurs has been in that like hopeful slash contenders category for quite some time until they, ab- they decided to absolutely blow it up this offseason. The Utah Jazz, no Rudy Gobert, no Donovan Mitchell. It's it's going to it's a it's a new era in in utah no um, more quinn snyder while we're at it yeah that's true they got it they got a new coach in there oh is it will hardy i think that's what his name is uh coming from the celtics so yeah i think he he's got a, a, a big job on his hands for sure the jazz roster as it stands now is still not like terrible I mean, they still have some guys that can get buckets for sure. Like Jordan Clarkson and Colin Sexton, if you have them on the court at the same time, it's basically like, all right, 
you go take a mid-range jumper. Now you go take a mid-range jumper. Uh, okay, I'm being a little unfair. Jordan Clarkson has been much better about shooting threes than than twos since he got to Utah. But the point is, they've got some guys who can get buckets. Um, some interesting pieces like Markinen, for instance, who who has shown that he can be effective. Kelly Olynyk, Mike Conley, still there, which. I'm sure he's got to be like, just get me out of here, man. Um, it'll be interesting to see how many, if any of these pieces do get traded away. I'm sure that they will be interested in listening to any and all offers coming in for any of their uh, veteran players as they continue to stockpile these draft picks. Danny Inge was like, what I did in Boston, it's not enough. I got to outdo myself this time in Utah. Um, but the Jazz, they're not trying to win. They're just trying to accumulate those picks. So they got to go in the no-shot category for us. Yeah, Mike Conley trade watch, Rudy Gay trade watch, Jordan Clarkson trade watch. Um, I mean, honestly, Kelly Olenek, Colin Sexton, Cody Zeller, everybody can go. Uh, I do like the three rookies they're bringing in. Uh, Walker Kessler, Johnny Juzang, and... If you've been listening to this podcast for any of our NBA draft episodes this past year, you know I'm a big fan of Ochai Abaji. Um, and they got him through that uh, trade that uh, sent Donovan Mitchell to the Cavs. We'll talk about that later. Trades are on the horizon for Utah. Of course, those those trade offers are music to Danny Ainge's ears. Ha, I'm still sneaking in puns. I can't be stopped. At 25... We're going to keep pace with the no shots. Indiana Pacers. There. Boom. Said it. Uh, stop me if you've heard this one before. Interesting pieces. Not going to go anywhere. I feel like every time we do a tier list, there's some like phrase that just keeps coming up where it's like, oh, there's our drinking game for this one. Uh, you know, it's been quarterback situation in the past. Well, interesting pieces is the one for this one. Uh, Tyrese Halliburton. Buddy Heald. Um, Miles Turner, if he, if they ever manage to trade this man, Chris Duarte, uh, who I'm a fan of, but this does not make a, for a competitive team. Uh, this is a team that's, you know, uh, assessing what they have, uh, trying to find like the right direction in which to build. Um, they, they drafted Benedict Matherin, which I like, uh, this is a guy we talked about several episodes back as having a very high ceiling, uh, which could be exactly what Indiana needs over there. A guy that can just evolve into that like star player. But for him to come out and do that in his first season, I doubt that's going to happen. I think no shot feels safe for the Pacers. It definitely does. And, you know, that, that trade with, Sabonis and Halliburton. It'll be interesting to see what happens long-term uh, with who wins that trade. I think right now the Pacers have to be pretty excited with being able to acquire him, especially at this point when they are in full rebuild mode, at least when they trade uh, Miles Turner as well as potentially Buddy Heald. Uh, they, yeah, they've got to be pretty happy with, with Halliburton, especially how he played towards the end of the season last year. But yeah, the Pacers have kind of, I mean, Rick Carlisle's there, so I I do think that they're going to be well coached, but that's not going to be nearly enough. Now, moving on to number 24, 
We've got a few more in the no, in the no shots here. Uh, we've got the Detroit Pistons. Now, uh, the Detroit Pistons have not been firing on all cylinders for quite some time now. But they do have some interesting pieces. Number one on that list has got to be Cade Cunningham. I mean, this guy really did not have a great first half of the season. Second half of the season uh, showed exactly why he deserved uh, to be picked very high in the draft. You've got other guys as well who are, who they brought in who are going to be interesting. I mean, uh, Boyan Bogdanovich was kind of an interesting one. I, it doesn't really seem to fit, but I mean, he definitely helps with their spacing. That's for sure. Uh, Alec Burks as well, another interesting like veteran piece. And it almost seems to me like they're they're really trying to compete at some level or trying to actually be a little better. Uh, which is a good sign for the Pistons. I, I think they really believe in some of their young guys. I mean, Jalen Duran was a good get. Jaden Ivey in the draft was a good get. We were talking about the, the Pistons having one of the best drafts uh, out of any team uh, on our draft coverage. So they, they are looking pretty nice. I'm not going to lie. It's just not going to be this year necessarily. I think they're going to be better. And I mean, Last year, they had the third worst record in, in the league. Uh, we're projecting them to be a little bit better than that this year, but definitely still in that no-shot category. It's like a Detroit cultural thing where like, you see the same thing with the Lions. It's like, yeah, we don't really have the best roster, but damn it, we're going to try. You know, like, yes, great draft from them. Uh, Jalen Duran, Jaden Ivey. Uh, also randomly getting Buddy Bayheim. that one. You know, why not? Uh, I am a fan of some of the, the post players they have there as well. Nerlens Noel, Isaiah Stewart, of course, I've talked about on this podcast before. Um, Sadiq Bey is a fantastic young uh, three, uh, a three and D small forward. I like his fit there. Uh, Marvin Bagley, we'll see. Like, I feel like with Marvin Bagley, they're just like, eh. I mean, he was drafted high. Sometimes he looks good. And maybe, just maybe, he'll, like, be a great player for us. Who freaking knows? We're the Pistons. We can do whatever we want. Uh, yeah, the Pistons on Spirit alone are going to win some games, probably more than last year. But at the end of the day, this is not a team that's competing for a championship this year. However, if you're a Detroit fan, thanks for listening to the Mike and Dave podcast from all the way up there. Uh, because we know we don't grow Detroit Pistons fans in the South. but there's things to be there are things to be excited about if you're a Pistons fan. I'll say that. But moving on up to number twenty-three, we have the Charlotte Hornets. Uh, the conversation with the Hornets really starts with their announcers. I mean, honestly, they're the best. Uh, it's it's sad that Bridges won't be playing there just because it was so fun hearing them screech Bridges' name when he flies through the air and catches one of LaMelo's lobs. But, on a more serious note, LaMelo Ball is this team, basically. Um, I mean, this was like a a 43-win team last season. And I expect that to go down without Miles Bridges, but LaMelo Ball is going to influence winning at least to the point that they'll be better 
they'll end up with a better regular season record than all of the aforementioned teams. But I think they took more. I don't think they did bad things. You know, it's not their fault how the Bridges situation played out necessarily. I I don't think that they did like anything reprehensible or like, you know, anything that I'd frown upon from a business standpoint. Um, I like that uh, their drafting of Mark Williams, but I just don't see much going on on this roster that makes me think they took a step forward this year, which puts them in the no shots to me because they weren't exactly competing for it last year either. No, they weren't. And you know, they, they made the play in tournament. Uh, like you said, L- Lamelo is is the key to this team, and you know I feel like they have enough of these other pieces that are gonna make them competitive to a certain degree, but not nearly enough to actually compete for the playoffs. I think maybe they'll, if they do make the playoffs, it'll just be the play in tournament, and they'll get knocked out. I'm pretty sure. I mean, Gordon Hayward is just a shell of what he once was. P.J. Washington. Kelly Oubre, Terry Rozier, these are all like fine players. They're not anything to write home about necessarily. So the the Hornets, a couple seasons ago, they were, you know, they were like the then one of the new like darling young cores of the NBA that just kind of hasn't really panned out for them. So uh, Hornets are, I'm sure, going to be looking to prove us wrong with this, but I, I think this this season just isn't looking too bright for them. Now. Here's the top of our no shots category at number 22. It's the Sacramento Kings who, regardless of who they pick up in free agency, who they draft, they've got to show us that they need to be anywhere else other than the no shots before we put them in anywhere else. I mean, the Kings, and all I'm going to say is we put them too high last year. I don't want to say exactly how high. If you really want to know, you can look back and and search through. Uh, we put them too high. We gave them too much credit. And until they, they prove us otherwise, we don't need to give them that credit because they don't deserve it. Now, am I a, a King's hater? No, because I don't like beating people while they're down. But like, when I look at, at their pieces, I think, oh, they should be a lot better than they actually are. Uh, I mean, De'Aaron Fox, he had a down year last year. That's that's definitely true, but he's still a very talented young point guard. Keegan Murray balled out in the summer league. He looks to be like uh, one of the runner or maybe front runners for rookie of the year. I think Boncaro is definitely leading that, but Keegan Murray is right there with him. Uh, Davion Mitchell's a really good defensive guard. Harrison Barnes can still give you quality min- minutes. I'm interested to see... Kevin Herter. Now, Kevin Herter in a Kings jersey is going to be a little weird for for us, I think. But, you know, I I wish him nothing but success in Sacramento. Not that those two things really go together. But you never know. Uh, Maybe he'll blossom and have a really good season. But, yeah, the Kings are just, they're just kind of eh. We we think that with Sabonis and some of those uh, other guys that they'll be better than they were last year. But still, like, it's the Kings realistically they have no shot of winning the finals this year i am interested in seeing this team starting the season off with sabonis instead of just getting him midway through i'm intrigued because looking at the combination of keegan murray 
DeMontis Sabonis and Rashawn Holmes. Like that gives them a little bit of flexibility. I doubt they'll want to play all three at once. Although after watching what Cleveland did with all those bigs, who freaking knows anymore? Uh, but realistically, you could probably just play any combination of two of those three guys uh, to give you to give yourself uh, some different looks. Uh, but I mean, you said it. They, interesting pieces, but the Kings aren't known for their success. They're known for their underachieving. And it's been that way since, you know, they had a competitive team in the early 2000s. And then, I mean, some might say they got gypped, but they one way or another got demoralized by the Lakers. I think that's a decent way to put it. And they haven't been competitive since. since. That's the reality of the situation. And this is not the year that we start to say that the Kings are uh, among the royalty of the NBA. Now, that finishes our no-shots category. So while the Kings don't, in our mind, have any shot at winning the championship, we do have them as the best team that we've mentioned so far. Now we get into the long shots. So these are still teams that we don't think are reasonably winning the championship. We'll bet our money against it. But the way we were kind of describing this when we were talking about it was like, can we imagine a situation where like the stars align and this team ends up winning? Uh, sure. You know, for the sake of argument, why not? So we've got a couple teams in this category and we're going to start, <clears throat> excuse me, with Bradley Beal at number 21. And yes, I intended to say that instead of just saying the Washington Wizards. How long has it been the case that this team just achieves the same level of success on a game-to-game -game basis that Bradley Beal does? On our last episode, I was talking about, you know, if Bradley Beal doesn't score 30, they don't win. And if he does, eh, it's a toss-up at that point. Kristaps uh, Porzingis being added to the team is fascinating. You know, uh, how many times in Porzingis' career has he been known for, like, affecting winning in a positive way? Not really. His whole career has basically just been, like, you know, when he's playing at least, oh, what an interesting lad, you know, the unicorn. But the the team success has not been there. It hasn't been there for Bradley Beal either, at least, like, since John Wall left. And even at that point should be an asterisk there next to team success because they were just kind of like occasionally winning a playoff series or two, but like not even two, they weren't even getting to the conference finals. This is just like a, a first to second round competitive team and then losing. Uh, having Beal and Porzingis makes this team interesting and Johnny Davis there, have fun. But, but this team realistically is not going to win the championship. No, probably not. And we put them in long shot because they do have a couple of star players that if everything aligned appropriately and their rookies hit, and I will say it, that trade that they made with the Nuggets was an interesting one. Will Barton and Monte Morris coming over. Both of those guys are pretty good rotation players uh, who are actually, I mean, probably going to start. I would imagine they're going to start Monte Morris, Beal, 
uh, Will Barton, Porzingis, and Daniel Gafford, maybe. Like, that's not a bad starting lineup, uh, and especially just giving up, like, KCP and whoever else they gave up. It just wasn't that big of a deal. So I, that was an interesting trade by the Nuggets, I thought. I thought the Wizards won that one. So we'll see how this team gels. Uh, DeLon Wright actually had an okay season for the Hawks last year. It's kind of unfortunate to, to see him leave, but uh, it's understandable. But yeah, Wizards, there's not too much else to say about them. We think that they're going to be a little bit better than last year, but still definitely a long shot to to win the, the championship this year. And now, at number 20, we've got one of our least favorite teams in the NBA, the New York Knicks. <laughs> I know there are some deluded Knicks fans out there who think that Jalen Brunson's about to be the second coming of Patrick Ewing and that he's going to be, you know, he's going to save their franchise or whatever. I don't think that that's the case. Now, I will say I am definitely higher on Jalen Brunson than Mike is, though that's pretty much everyone is. Um, but he is not a number one option that's like com- comparable to a lot of these other teams that are going to be above them in this list. I think the Knicks, they had that one good season. The Hawks showed them what an actual good team looked like. And they haven't been the same since Julius Randall had that one aberration of a season. Hasn't looked as good since RJ Barrett definitely had a, a a breakout year last year. I'll give him that. Is he worth that contract? But um, overall, I think the Knicks fans uh, in the organization they took an interesting approach to the offseason, but overall, I don't think it's really going to affect too, too much in where they finished. I mean, they finished 11th in the East last year, just out, well, I'll say just outside of the play-in places. They were six games behind the Hornets. So we think they're going to be a little bit better than the Hornets this year, but I think that's not really going to matter. Maybe they make the play-in, but they're not going to make any noise. Yeah, interesting pieces, or good pieces. Interesting is uh, underselling them a little bit to talk about Emmanuel quickly, Quentin Grimes. Um, Cam Reddish, if they ever decide to play him, my goodness gracious. Uh, but as for Jalen Brunson, I hope he's the second coming of Patrick Ewing in this respect. Patrick Ewing never won a ring. <laughs> and I would be surprised if Jalen Brunson won one in. New York. I'd be surprised if he won a one-one period without ring chasing his little behind on some like bigger, more powerful team. Jalen Brunson ain't ain't it. I there are some some hating hills that I will die on. Devin Booker can't be the guy, but Jalen Brunson, man, this is the one. But no, Knicks aren't winning a championship. Uh, though. Maybe they'll look okay in the regular season. Maybe they'll come sniffing around in the play-in. But they're not going to make championship-level noise. Um, now, at number 19, we have the Chicago Bulls. Now, DeRozan, good. Zach Levine, good. Vucevic, good. Alex Caruso, good. Here's the problem. Lonzo Ball is going to miss most, if not all, of this season. And that's tough. And and what else is tough 
is that after those four, this team isn't that, that deep. Ayo Desunmu, not bad. Patrick Williams, not bad. But you take, like, you're, you're just a very top-heavy team. You take that uh, scoring away uh, from those players. You're looking for, like, uh, options off your bench. You don't really have that many that can just go out and get you that bucket when you need it. And and the defense, like I'm seeing defensive liabilities here and there as well. Um, and again, we can attribute that to that loss of Lonzo Ball, who is a great defender at that point guard position, and they're going to be lacking him there as well on both ends. Yeah, Bulls finished sixth last year. Uh, they're not going to reach that same level again, I don't think. Like you said, they've got some pretty talented players on their roster. Can't deny that. I mean, DeMar DeRozan was in our top 25. Zach Levine was in, was an honorable mention for that. Uh, Vucevic continues to impress me with uh, his play. But overall, like you said, depth. I mean, if one of those guys goes down in addition to Lonzo, then you really don't have any chance at all. Uh, so... I think that's why we have the Bulls as a long shot here due to regress a little bit this season. Uh, a team that we think is going to be better than they were last year is the Portland Trailblazers. And the main reason for that, Damian Lillard is going to be back uh, after missing the vast majority of the season last year uh, with an injury or after surgery. And even before that, he was dealing with, with that injury and wasn't the Damian Lillard that we know, uh, that's obviously huge. I mean, he's one of the best players in the NBA when healthy. So that's huge for them. Uh, in terms of the rest of their team, uh, I liked the pickup of Gary Payton the second. Uh, I thought that he was a, a really valuable player for the Warriors last year and will have a little bit more of a chance to shine on the Trailblazers. Uh, Anthony Simons showed what he could do last year after the trade of CJ McCollum and obviously the uh, injury to Lillard as well, he had a chance to to show what he can do on the offensive end. And he was very, very, very good. Uh, so we'll see if he can continue learning from Lillard and kind of shoulder some of that offensive burden um, as well. And, you know, they've got a few other pieces like Jeremy Grant coming there. Like he'll help them win, win some games. Nurkic re-signed. Uh, but still they're not quite in that next level of like surefire playoff teams. I think they, they still have some work to do to get to that level or get back to that level. So we're going to put them in the long shots for now. And they do have, like they are compiling some young talent that, that looks like they're preparing for a decent enough transition into like their next generation, looking at Anthony Simons, uh, taking a uh, high ceiling guy like Shadon Sharp in this draft. Uh, Nasir Little still only 22. Um, Josh Hart at 27 years old. Like they they are pretty like tooled up. Uh, looking forward, at least in terms of the potential that's there. Not that they're like set up, set up, right? But Damian Lillard on this team gives them a puncher's chance in any game, any series. Um, they do have to get there though, and. I mean, easier said than done in the West. Um, but once they get, if they can get to the playoffs at that point, I don't know what team makes me go, 
Oh yeah, the Blazers can't win, if that makes sense. Now, at number 17. Okay. Get ready, folks. At number 17, so still in the bottom half of the NBA, mind you, we've got the LA Lakers. This is this is fun. Okay. So LeBron is good at basketball. Breaking news. I know you're like adjusting your dial and everything, you know, like rewinding, making sure you heard me correctly. But yes, he is in fact still good at basketball. Now, what he's not still doing is playing like every game of the season. Um now, speaking of guys that don't do that, Anthony Davis. I was lamenting on episode 38 of this podcast that this man hasn't played half a season in the past two years. So couple that with uh, LeBron's diminishing availability. Now add Westbrook coming off one of the worst, if not his worst season in the NBA. And we just talked about the lack of depth on the Bulls. And if one of them goes down, who else? How many other Lakers can you name right now? I mean, we've got Schroeder, Mister Fumble the Bag himself. Now, credit where it's due, they have the world champion, Patrick Beverly. We say heavily ironically in jest to his freaking play-in victory, but the Lakers are playing with him, as he says. Sharpshooter extraordinaire Austin Reeves, Mr. like 32% or whatever. Like, um, this is a team of like, who gives a shit? Um, if, if LeBron and AD can play like largely healthy seasons, then yeah, this team is going to be very competitive because those two guys are incredibly talented and they are game changers each in their own right. You put them together, that's frightening. But it's not just that the Lakers winning is a long shot. It's that those two playing a regular amount of games is a long shot. 100%. The Los Angeles Lakers, a.k.a. two and a half men. That's basically what their roster comes down to. Uh... Yeah, I mean, basically everything that you said. Can't really count on LeBron at this stage to play every game. Anthony Davis, at this point, he's got to show us and prove that he can stay healthy. Westbrook coming off that bad season. And then it's just kind of a bunch of guys after that. There's no one who really inspires any confidence uh, from me. Also worth mentioning, uh, first-year head coach, Darwin Ham. I mean, it's like, that's who they wanted, so like I guess that's good, but... At the same time, when you're on a team with LeBron at this point, it's kind of like your coach is just like whatever. So the Lakers, we we still got to put them in long shot, 100%. And I, I think that they will challenge in that like play-in uh, range. And maybe they'll do a lot better because they do have those superstars, but they kind of have to have to prove it to us first before we go ahead and put them in the hopeful category. Now, speaking of the hopeful category, or hopeful tier, I should say, at the bottom of that tier, so number 16, we put the Toronto Raptors. Now, the Raptors have one of my favorite players 
in the NBA. Scotty, Scotty Barnes. Uh, I don't know why I always say that in a British accent, but I do because it's fun. Uh, the Raptors were fifth in the East last season. Really kind of shocked a lot of people with with how uh, how well they did. Um, I really like this collection of players that they have. Fred Van Vliet is underrated. Gary Trent really had a coming out party. He, he was very, very good for them offensively. Uh, Siakam is still uh, a very good player. Obviously, Scotty Barnes, like I mentioned, great rookie season. Um, OG Ananobi, once again, very good 3 and D player. Um, so yeah, I, I, I think the, uh, the Raptors are one of those teams that it's just hard because the East is just going to be so competitive this year that I don't know how high they can realistically finish, but in terms of just how good the players are, uh, I mean, we already know Nick Nurse is, is a great head coach in the NBA. He's going to have them, uh, ready to go for this season, uh, it's hard to put them in that long shots category. So we decided to just put them at the bottom of the hopefuls um, just based on their talent and, and the coaching alone. But the East is going to be pretty tough. It's going to be a bloodbath, especially when once you get to the playoffs. Oh, it definitely is. Um, I mean, the main thing I was going to talk about was Nick Nurse. Uh, this is one of those situations where, I mean... I feel like it's easy to look at this roster and when a superstar doesn't exactly jump out at you, like, like with a lot of these other teams, it might be easy to just dismiss them, but they play so well and they have enough good pieces that they just end up consistent over the course of the season. And, you know, then they can challenge. Now I will say shout out to Wancho Hernan Gomez, who, uh, if you're rolling your eyes, this man is coming off giving it to Rudy Gobert in, in Eurobasket. Uh, so I, I don't think that's going to really translate to the NBA, but I wanted to at least mention that, that this man was balling in the, in the championship over there. Uh, I hope this is not going to happen, full disclosure, but I'm just going to optimistically try to speak it into existence. I hope when the Raptors play the Timberwolves, they just boost Hernan Gomez's uh, minutes like through the roof and just like give him the ball every basically every possession. Like go to work on Gobert, just just go give it to him, you know. But that's not going to happen. Regardless, the Raptors do crack our hopeful category, albeit like at the bottom of it. Now, right above them, we're going to have New Orleans Pelicans at fifteen. So, in case you just noticed there or not, we just crossed the threshold into the top half of the league. So, we've got the Pelicans as the worst team of the best half of the NBA, if that phrasing made any sense whatsoever. but If, uh, if breaking down these... Uh, the NBA into tiers and then also ranking them from 30 to one wasn't enough. <laughs> Let's also break it down even further by making it even more confusing. You know, just out here playing with fractions and shit. Like, don't mind me. Now, the Pelicans, I mean, we'll see how much Zion plays. 
uh, we know the force that he is when he does play. But even like when he wasn't last year, uh, they they still took the Phoenix Suns to six games. And of course, this was the season after the Suns went to the finals and lost. Haha. <laughs> uh, but looking at their roster, Brandon Ingram, uh, CJ McCollum, Herbert Jones, uh, who's been nice uh, to start his NBA career. Uh, Larry Nance just signed that extension. You still have Jonas Valanciunas down there. Um, like, this is a um, like a team that's like building something gritty down there. I mean, we've talked about Jose Alvarado before, but this is somewhat similar to the Raptors for me, where like I look at the roster and there isn't like that guy that immediately makes me go, yes, this is the guy that's leading them to a championship, but they have plenty of depth. They play well together. Um, they are building something of a culture and that allows them to sort of sneak up on some teams. It does. And I, th- I think Zion does have the potential to be that guy. He just hasn't shown it yet. Um, well, when he's played, he, he's been absolutely dominant. Uh, so I think he does have that ability. He just has to continue to get better and make sure that he's right. But I'm excited to see what, what Zion will, will do this season. He, he looks to be in very good shape. Uh, he's saying all the right things. He's got, he somehow he still got his extension, which they couldn't not sign him, but still that was interesting. Uh, but like, yeah, like you said, I think they've got some really cool pieces there. They've drafted well, um, Trey Murphy is a guy who I really like, um, who they have. I mean, like you said, Herb Jones as a second round pick really played well for them uh, last season. So I'm looking for him to take the next step. And just in general, I think the Pelicans are one of those teams that has the potential to exceed expectations this season uh, and, and kind of be better than they were last year. So looking forward to see how they uh, they do this season. Now, number 14, another team that kind of experienced some some turnover and some major turnover at that, uh, it's the Timberwolves. I mean, they lost NBA champion Patrick Beverly, uh, and they replaced him with multi-time defensive player of the year, Rudy Gobert. So that'll work. Uh, obviously, the Timberwolves, they've got top-tier talent. There is no doubt about that, starting with Carl Anthony Towns, uh, kind of proving us wrong and uh, doing amazingly uh, in the three-point contest and winning that last year. Uh, offensive force, you've got uh, Anthony Edwards, who's still just scratching the surface of his potential. He's still only 21 years old. D'Angelo Russell, this is a big year for him to show that uh, he can be the, the point guard for that kind of a team. And then, like I said, Rudy Gobert, really the, the main issue with the Timberwolves for a long time has been their defense. They can score, but they can't really stop anybody. Bringing in Gobert immediately changes that, at least in the regular season. We've seen Gobert struggle in the postseason, so we'll see how how that that works in Minnesota. But you know, props to the Timberwolves. I thought that 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 draft compensation that that they gave up and all of those players for Gobert was absolutely ridiculous. And as far as like the impact on the game in general and kind of the standard that that's set for trades is a little ridiculous. 
So I don't really know. I mean, I know that I don't love them doing that. I thought that was absurd. And the fact that Danny Inch somehow got them to give up that much stuff for uh, Gobert is crazy. But they they must obviously think he's the missing piece to their team. And they'll have this season to to show us if if, if they're right. But the Timberwolves are one of those teams, I feel like they could kind of go anywhere. Um, not, not quite as much uh, or not as many variables as the Lakers or, or the Nets, but the Timberwolves are right up there for me in terms of, I don't really know what to expect, but you've got all these amazing players. So something good's probably going to happen. I mean, I'll keep my commentary on the Timberwolves pretty short. Um, Yeah, they, they definitely think over there that Gobert is the missing piece. I don't. Now, to clarify, the Timberwolves are going to be nice in the regular season. I mean, look at the Jazz, right? They were among the league leaders in wins for the regular season most seasons uh, for the past, like, four or five years. But then playoffs roll around. Gobert gets exposed to some extent, whether that's due to his offensive limitations or his, I mean lack of ability to cover ground on defense. Um, I don't know how well he coexists with Towns in the playoffs when spacing becomes more important, when teams are playing a little bit of a different style of ball. But this team is going to pick up regular season Ws, no doubt about that. I just have strong reservations about them in the playoffs. Now, at number 13, we've got the Brooklyn Nets. Now, this might seem a little low to some of you, but last year we overranked them. Now, I will say we were not alone in that. Now, Dave, I think you have a stat that the backs up my saying, you know, are are not being alone in overranking the Nets going into last season. Yeah, so every year uh there's this annual survey of the NBA general managers in the league and they ask the same questions every year and then they kind of keep track of what they said uh, looking back to last year and then also projecting for this coming season as well. And one of the uh, questions that they ask is like, who do you think is going to win? Like who's the favorite to win the championship? 72% of the GM said the Brooklyn Nets. So we were aligned with the vast majority of all of the general managers in the league and thinking that the Nets were going to win. And like, why wouldn't you? They had like three of the best players in the league on their team uh, with, Steve, you know, Steve Nash as the coach, um, some decent role players around them. Like it just seemed inevitable. We all, of course, we don't need to get into all of the issues that they had last season, uh, but it's up to them to show that those issues are not going to rear their ugly heads once again this year. I mean, KD, can he stay healthy? Can he be a leader? Kyrie, can he actually play? Uh, ben Simmons, can he actually play? And, you know, he's, he's gotten a lot of hate, and it's kind of sad because I think a lot of it's justified, but at the same time, it's just kind of like too much at this point. Um, kind of for his sake, I want him to at least be somewhat successful, but at the at the end of the day, it's it's going to come down to like, he's kind of the X factor for me in terms of, is he going to provide uh, that all defensive ability um, 
and prowess that he's shown us in the past. Is he going to be able to do that? Is he going to be able to coexist? There are a lot of these questions that are still surrounding the Nets. Um, of course, all of this uh, this drama with uh, Steve Nash and um, and Sean Marks and Kevin Durant and all of that. Like, can they figure all this out? They have the talent, but as we've seen before, it doesn't matter how much talent you have if it doesn't all gel and doesn't work together. And so uh, Brooklyn's going to have to show us that they deserve to be put in the contenders. Uh, so that's why we, we decided to put them in the hopefuls for this one. Exactly. Like on paper, this team is among the best, if not the best, like realistically looking at the talent that they have. But are they all going to play? Is it all going to gel? These are the things that we just don't know. Uh, but there's a a lot of room for it to go up, but we're just going to we're going to hang out here at 13 as a sort of tempered expectation. Although I feel like it's also informed based on what what we just saw. Now, yeah. And uh, one more thing, and after last season where we ranked them number 1, I would rather them prove me wrong than prove me right at this point. Like show me why we should have put you number 1 this season because last season we put you number 1 and Due to all of your like all these things that you could control for the most part, you weren't able to to make this work out. So um, prove us wrong this year, for sure. And we'll see if they do. Um, now at number twelve, we have the Los Angeles Clippers. Are we going to get a fully healthy season from this team? I feel like I think it's been three years now or going into the fourth year uh, since they got Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. And we have not seen that much like time on the court uh, shared between those two players at full health. Add in John Wall, uh, who, you know, it has been a while since we've seen him play as well. Uh, he has a, uh, a great article out on the Players' Tribune uh, discussing mental health and everything as well, um, and his uh, the struggles that he's been going through. I think that's definitely worth a read. Um, but as for on the court, I I know it's been a while since we've seen John Wall playing basketball. I still believe in him. Um, I want to see him do well, and if he does, we're talking about two elite two-way wings and when we last saw John Wall, he was an elite two-way point guard. Now, can't forget to mention the mighty and powerful Ivica Zubats. My guy. I mean, you thought I was just like going off about these these other three, but I was uh that was just the the potatoes and the vegetables compared to the ultimate steak that that is Zubats. I mean, what more do you want on that team? All jokes aside, the the first three guys that I mentioned, and Zubats for that matter, like this makes a team that can be extremely competitive um, a force for any team to reckon with. <clears throat> but they need to stay on the court together. They need to be able to, to play a full season. They need to be all ready when playoff basketball arrives. And that's been their like great hurdle the past few seasons. It definitely has been. And, you know, they've, they've got a great coach in Ty Lue as well. 
uh, I think it's it's set up for them to succeed. You know, I think they're going to limit Kawhi in the regular season as well as potentially Paul George uh, in the regular season too. Maybe like staggering, like maybe one of them misses a game and then the next guy misses the next game or whatever. Uh, obviously not like for the entire season, but you know what I mean? Uh, just kind of giving them some rest and making sure that they try to keep them healthy. I think the rest of the team is good enough to keep them in a lot of games anyway. Uh, I mean, Norman Powell is a good uh, good piece. Robert Covington, Marcus Morris, Terrence Mann, Luke Kennard, uh, Reggie Jackson, like all these guys uh, can play, like all these guys can ball. And so the Clippers, th- it's kind of like the Nets, but a little different. Like obviously we, we believe in the Clippers a little bit more because we have them ranked a little bit higher but they just got to show us the potential is, is right up there. And maybe we'll be really wrong about this. Maybe the Clippers will take the league by storm and we'll, uh, we'll, we'll prove this ranking wrong, but it's one of those things. Like I don't want to get caught up in that preseason hype. And the Clippers are one of those teams that are are getting a lot of that. But I, in my mind, you got to show us that you are going to be healthy. You got to show us that your team can gel and that you can come through when it matters most. Um, and we know that Kawhi can. Paul George, we don't know that quite so much. Um, but we'll, we'll see, you know. So the Clippers are are up there in terms of uh, like highest potential, but also have, um, like I think, where they ended up last year is kind of their floor, which is still like not a bad season. They still ended up ninth in the play-in. And... Uh, of course, like then Paul George like missed that game because of COVID and all that stuff, which is sad. But, but yeah, I, I think the Clippers like they're going to make the playoffs, and once they do, with all that two way talent, there's a lot to like about this team. Now, moving on to number eleven, so almost at the top ten, uh, the Luca led Dallas Mavericks. Now. We talked about Jalen Brunson a little bit earlier. I'll mention it briefly again here. Jalen Brunson was a great running mate for Luca for the Mavs last year. Uh, that's why he got that big contract in New York and really kind of solidified his uh, his status in the league because of his season last season. The Mavericks are are going to go as Luca goes. Um, when he plays really well, they can beat any team, like we saw with the Suns. Last year, like the Warriors were not going to be denied, but the Mavs making it to the Western Conference Finals, like that was a, a pretty big deal. Uh, and the obviously the farthest that Luka has gone so far in his young career, he has the ability to lead them all the way. And with this team around him, I think it's not quite enough yet. Uh, I think that's why they're in the hopefuls and not the contenders is they just don't have quite as many pieces around them. Spencer Dinwiddie, a full season of him. Like, he was good when he came over. Christian Wood is an interesting one. He kind of had a, a breakout with Houston. Uh, they traded him to the Mavericks, and we'll see how how he does there. Tim Hardaway can still shoot it. But they're going to need another guy to step up, kind of like, um, like Jalen Brunson did last year, uh, to really support Luka and not put all of the weight on his shoulders. Yeah, 
I mean, I love the addition of Christian Wood. I think that's a great pickup. Um, talking about a guy that can bang down low and stretch the floor out with that three-point shot. Now, yes, they're losing Jalen Brunson, uh, who I can't deny did have a great impact on that team. Now, I will say Tim Hardaway Jr. only played like half the season last season, uh, missed the playoffs. So we lose Brunson, we uh, hopefully gain Hardaway back in time for the, like have him available in the playoffs next season. Uh, there's potential here. Um, who knows like what kind of Herculean efforts Doncic will, will uh, produce. We know that the Mavericks as a team, uh, Luca's issues aside, was playing incredibly good defense for most of the regular season. Um, if they can replicate that sort of design um, with uh, enough like positive, sh- like decent enough shooting from the supporting cast, this is a team that can make a push. It's just going to be a little tough because, like you said, they go where Luca goes, and it if that's in a negative direction, well, that still applies. Now that brings us to number ten. So, the top 10. And the top team in our hopefuls category, this is the Cleveland Cavaliers, who took a lot of people by surprise last year, us included. We won't talk about how surprised, but we'll say it happened. Uh, We questioned, you know, what they were going to do with all those bigs, the answer to which was succeed, apparently. Uh, Darius Garland, balling out, a real coming out party for him. Uh, now, oh, Isaac Okoro, good season. Here's the thing. They now have Donovan Mitchell. Like, they were good last season, and they just added a superstar scorer. Uh, what that what that does for their defense, we'll see. But I think even for Mitchell, like, he'll be in a position of less pressure in Cleveland than he was in Utah, uh, not having to score every single possession on offense, you know, more or less. Um, instead being able to work within the flow of what was a pretty like organized and for a young team, pretty methodical offense last season. I'm interested to see how well Mitchell does on this team, but Mitchell aside, this team is a team that succeeded um, far past. I think anyone else would have really expected of them last year. And I only see reason for them to take a step forward this season. For sure, and I'll I'll say this. I was kind of feeling the Cavs as more contender. Mike was kind of feeling them more as hopeful. So we ended up as the top of the hopefuls, but it would not surprise me if they end up with a top four seed in the East and really make a, a big push uh, with their this first season with Donovan Mitchell on board. Honestly, like their roster is stacked low-key like like when you have guys like Karis Levert Kevin Love even at his age like he's still an effective stretch four um Ricky Rubio I mean losing him was pretty tough like he was doing pretty well for them last season they lost him for the season uh having him back this year will be really great for them coming off the bench um Isaac Okoro like you said um we haven't even mentioned Evan Mobley yet who 
showed just how great of a, a ceiling he has uh, defensively and offensively. He was much more polished than I think anyone expected. Came in, was right up there with Cade Cunningham, with Scotty Barnes um, in that Rookie of the Year race. And some could say like arguably deserved to, to win it uh, with how good he was and how big of an impact he had on the Cavs having that really good season. And adding Donovan Mitchell to that, not really losing any key pieces other than, I guess, Markinen. But if you're replacing Markinen with Donovan Mitchell, like you'll take that every day. Um, they did lose some some younger players and stuff. Like losing Abashi uh, was was probably pretty tough to swallow. Uh, they were probably expecting him to come in and uh, at least be a part of the rotation right away. But again, when you add a guy like Donovan Mitchell, who adds a lot more of that scoring punch to your backcourt, you know, Colin Sexton going the other way in that trade. Uh, he'll be an interesting guy f- for for Utah to, to feature. But again, with Garland's emergence, Evan Mobley coming out, uh, Jared Allen locking down the paint. I mean, this is a team that really has the look of a team that is ready to take on the league's elite and show that they deserve to be there. Uh, whether or not they will make that jump this season or not, we'll see but we have them at number 11 just outside of the top 10 and just outside of the our contenders for now. Scratch that, they're at number 10, but they're still just outside of our contenders, but maybe we'll regret that uh, moving forward into uh, once the season starts and gets underway. Now, number nine, this is a team that I think if I was leaning more towards like top of the hopefuls and switching with the Cavs, um, Mike decided otherwise and I kind of went along with it like I'm not going to argue about putting our Atlanta Hawks as a contender uh do I think maybe it's a little optimistic yes especially after the disappointment of last season but at the same time there's a new all-star in town his name's DeJounte Murray and he's here to save our defense uh which by by God needs some saving uh I expect the Hawks to continue to be a top five offense in the league. Didn't really lose anybody too important uh, and added DeJounte Murray, who will obviously help on the offensive end as well. I think what this really comes down to is can Trey operate off the ball like a Steph Curry? Can uh, DeAndre Hunter take that next step of his development and really be consistent every night, both defensively and offensively as well? Maybe we see a Kongwu step in and uh, take take some more minutes and really grab um, s- some of those minutes away from Capella. John Collins, like he got he got his money. Like there's been so many trade rumors going around about him. He's still a hawk even after all this time. It this team like we have so many good players, Mike. It's just frustrating that last season we just, for whatever reason, it just never clicked. What what do you think needs to change this season in order for them to be a contender like you are expecting them to be? To me, I'm looking at the uh, the addition of Dejounte Murray, and I see this, you know, in theory, working threefold. Uh, num- fold number one. <laughs> We have the improved defense B 
because DeJounte Murray is actually a fantastic perimeter defender uh, who we can assign to the opposing team's good offensive player, namely their point guard, and have Trey Young guarding off ball where he belongs. Good Lord. Uh, number two, taking the uh, the playmaking responsibilities off of Trey Young. Not that we never have the ball in Trey Young's hands. I think if he can operate off ball like you were talking about, that would be fantastic. But Trey Young is dynamic. We want the ball in his hands. This is just a matter of not feeling like we have to have Trey Young make every play in order to have a chance of scoring, which in turn should help Trey Young's defense. It's not going to make him taller, bulky, or whatever, more capable of guarding some of these like uh, some of these guys. But looking at an energy uh, an energy standpoint, where Trey Young doesn't have to exert everything he has on offense every possession, uh, there plays. I'm not saying that he takes them off, but you know it's it's less energy when you're not initiating the entire offense. Uh, he'll have more energy in the in the tank for defense. But number three, and this is the one that most directly addresses your question, we can stagger. The issue that you and I complained about for the past two years was when Trey Young goes to the bench, we just crumble. And what ended up happening was our starters would start the game, and more often than not, we'd jump out to a lead, then Trey Young would sit down, and our bench would end up like minus 25 or some shit. And then Trey comes back in, we're losing. And it's a matter of can he catch us back up. But being able to stagger Trey Young, DeJounte Murray, um, not making it feel so inevitable, like, oh, Trey Young's going to the bench. <laughs> We're about to lose every, every inch of that lead. Um, I think that is going to be the biggest factor to me, that there's a little bit of insurance in that way as well. Not to mention we can get fully healthy season out of DeAndre Hunter it was unfortunate last year he was really starting to ball out before he got hurt um uh looked like he was really coming into his own there uh, if we can get a full season from him John Collins and then I mean Capella and Akongwu on the path that he's on like this is all of a sudden looking like a well-assembled team where the only issue isn't that we have Trey I mean it's just like well, he has those defensive, um, let's say, shortcomings. No pun intended. But this team looks like it is constructed in a way that's conducive to winning. I'm, I'm, you know, I have no issue saying that I went to bat for this team, and you can uh, crucify me at the end of the season if if this doesn't work out but I feel comfortable putting the Hawks at the bottom of our contenders. Yeah. And I'm not, uh, I'm not opposed to it. I'm just a little disheartened about their play last year. And then also like in the playoffs, just kind of petering out. Uh, I'll be interested to see if we actually use AJ Griffin more than we used Jalen Johnson the previous year, or maybe if we actually use Jalen Johnson a little bit more this year, uh, kind of solidifying that those backup wing spots for us. A lot a lot of people thought AJ Griffin should have been drafted higher than where we got him. I thought that where we got him it was a steal. Uh hopefully he'll be able to come in and 
provide some some quality minutes right away. So definitely excited for this season. I think the Hawks have a lot of potential. Um, and the DeJounte Murray trade kind of just got overshadowed by the rest of these moves that that happened. But here in, in Atlanta, we're we're definitely very excited about about this team this season. Uh, now, going to number eight, Memphis Grizzlies. This is a team that, again, kind of like the Cavaliers, jumped up to a lot higher than we expected, except the Grizzlies jumped way higher than we expected. They ended up with 56 wins, which was the second best record in the league after the Suns. Of course, led by the explosive John Morant. Uh, what a player he is and has become. Arguably now you would say that uh, he should have been drafted number one instead of Zion. I don't think anyone would really uh, argue with with you on, on that one. And his supporting cast was also really good too. You know, they had a lot of fight to them. Uh, a bunch of young guys who went in and took care of business and uh you know Jaron Jackson was able to stay mostly healthy all season which was uh which was huge for them you know Desmond Bain kind of coming out and being a major like secondary scorer off of uh at, at that wing position was was huge for them as well and Taylor Jenkins an amazing job coaching there really developing their culture so the Grizzlies are a really fun team to watch. We don't think that they're going to quite hit the same levels this year. Uh, I think it, it'll be hard for them to repeat a 56-win season, but they're definitely a team on the rise and one of the more talented teams in the West. I think this team is constructed very well, uh, where we have plenty of guys that can stretch the floor around that... Um, interior attacking point guard and John Morant. Uh, one thing we talked about on episode 38 was um, a desire to see shooting improvement from John Morant, free throw line, three point line. But when you look around him, you see players like Dylan Brooks, Desmond Bain, and then oh, Danny Green now uh, as well. Um, then you have the interior presence of Steven Adams, Jaron Jackson, like you mentioned, like this team it's it's very well built i think uh the front office has done a great job assembling assembling talent developing talent within that culture uh, yeah it it seems fair to assume that they'll regress just a little bit but this should still be a competitive team in the regular season and in the postseason going into this season now at number seven this is a team that was or that is only two years removed from a finals appearance. Not a win, mind you, but an appearance. And that's the Phoenix Suns. Now, we talked a little about this, I guess twice uh, on episode 38, because we had two top 25 players on this roster, talking first about Devin Booker. And while we're stopped here, it's been well documented that we haven't expressed great faith in his ability to be the best player on a championship team. Now we also add in Chris Paul, who we last saw struggling. Uh, he's not getting any younger. None of us are, but 
we're we're starting to notice it with Chris Paul. Granted, leading the league in assists, uh, whenever he wants to, it seems, uh, a walking ten assist player. Uh, the points are diminishing. A uh, little bit of that energy is starting to dwindle. But they still have other good pieces. Uh, McCall Bridges, Cam Johnson, DeAndre Ayton. I'm concerned about where DeAndre Ayton's head is at. And that's not his fault. I'm just... Something is going on. Where there's smoke, there's fire. I'm sure many of you have seen by now. Uh, apparently he hasn't talked to Coach Monty Williams since their last game of the postseason. So, like, we're talking about April here? Um maybe May, uh, depending on, I don't remember exactly what day that game was, but then we had all the drama surrounding like whether or not his contract gets extended. There's a lot going on here with this team, and this team's going to be good, no questions asked, in the regular season. It's just a matter of does this team have what it takes to put it all together at the end and cross that finish line. When last we saw them approaching the finish line they just kind of stumbled yeah i don't think anyone was expecting the mavericks to be able to pull out that series but they did and now you've got all of this turmoil with uh robert sarver and that whole thing and obviously that's not a good look for the organization for the players no matter what they say it's a distraction uh and it's a little bit unsettling too uh, to know that those those types of things were happening within the organization that you were a part of, that you were getting paid by. So Chris Paul has got to step up again as a leader for this team. Monty Williams has to do the same. Uh, James Jones <laughs> has to do the same. Um, and and they've got to kind of bond together and and still be able to focus on the matter at hand, which is winning basketball games. So... The core is still pretty much the same from the past couple seasons. Uh, whether whether or not Chris Paul can maintain his previous levels really determines whether or not the Suns can make it to uh, the conference finals or even the conference semis at this point uh, once again and, and show that maybe we were a little bit low on them in this tier list. But uh, yeah, the, the Suns are, are still positioned pretty well with with their core of players and with Monty Williams, it's just kind of unfortunate about the off the field stuff. Now, moving on to number six, which is a bit of a bump up from uh, previous seasons where we've had them, but we're really high on this team. It's the Denver Nuggets. Uh, let's just start first. Back to back MVP winner, Nikola Jokic. The, that idea would have been crazy when he was first coming into the league. <laughs> But he has proven time after time that he is one of the best players in the NBA, especially offensively. And he's going to be getting Jamal Murray back, his sidekick. Uh, Not to mention, they've got some complimentary pieces as well. Michael Porter Jr., he's got to stay healthy. They're paying him a max contract somehow. His his back has got to improve. And he's got to be able to, uh, to play most of the games for this team to really reach their potential. But their potential is sky high. It really is. And Jamal Murray could be the return as long as he's back to where he was before the injury. 
they're going to be one of the best teams in the West and really challenging uh, some of these other teams to make it to the finals and, um, you know, kind of go to uh, or reach new heights that the Nuggets have not reached in a very, very long time. Yeah, I um I really like the additions of uh Bruce Brown and Contavious Caldwell Pope as as very good role players. But the the big story to me here is that Jamal Murray is back. Hopefully that's um consistent throughout the season because I've said many a time, you know, going back to the battle that took place between Donovan Mitchell and Jamal Murray in the bubble playoffs, like Jamal Murray was balling, and then he got hurt. And I said at the time, and I've said since, the way Jamal Murray is playing, or was playing at the time, you pair that with Nikola Jokic, that's a championship pair of teammates. Um, Then you fill that roster out with supporting pieces, um, which they have. I mean, if Michael Porter plays, you know, big if, apparently. But... The team is built up the right way. So if we can get, I mean, I'm just asking for health here. Uh, let's get these, uh, let's get these trainers on board. Right. But a healthy nuggets team should be terrifying around the league. Now at number five, we've got the Miami heat. Now this is a team that led the Eastern conference and wins this year. And, they're only a few years removed from a finals appearance as well. Of course, this team starts with my favorite player, Jimmy Butler, who, if you're listening on episode 38, or any other time that we've talked about Jimmy Butler, really, on any given night, Jimmy Butler can look like the 30th, 35th best player in the NBA. But on any given night, he can look like shit a top three right uh the stat lines that he's going to give you the performances he's going to give you really vary and so we sort we ended up putting him at number 10 when we ranked our players our current players at least but what jimmy does uh for this culture uh for this team goes so far beyond just the box score uh he really is the embodiment of that miami heat culture uh he is the leader on and off the court. Um, you can see the way he influences the guys around him. We've seen the development of Bam Adebayo, uh, Tyler Hero, who just uh, is coming off that Six Man of the Year award and new contract extension. Uh, seeing undrafted guys come into their own, uh, take like a Max Struess, Gabe Vincent. Uh, I mean. Duncan Robinson, who's now just kind of like collecting payroll on the bench, but like, this this team is built extremely well. Uh, it has a quality leader. It has a good supporting, like a number two in Bam Adebayo, a spark plug off the bench. This, not to mention a good point guard in Kyle Lowry, um, a veteran one, but he's not bad. Uh, this team has a lot of the ingredients necessary to win. It does, and it has arguably the best coach in the league, and Eric Spolstra, too. I mean, this guy has been there for quite some time now, and 
yes, the the culture uh, is like I, I think Jimmy Butler exemplifies that really well. But when it comes down to it, Eric Spolster is the leader of of that heat culture, in my opinion, um, along with Pat Riley, I guess. But as far as coaches go, there aren't too many that are better than him. The heat are always going to be competitive with this nucleus of players, with this coaching staff in place, uh, with just the whole organization in general coming off of that number one seed last year. We weren't able to, to quite get it done in the, in the playoffs, but, uh, we have them here at number five. We think that they have a decent chance, but if you're keeping track at home, there are still three Eastern Conference teams that are ahead of them. Uh, so it's <laughs> the East's going to be tough. And uh, at this point, there's only one Western Conference team that's still in the running. So if you're in the East, it's 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 not easy. And what's crazy is that I can remember back in the day when the Hawks kept making the playoffs every year, even though they weren't that good. The West was the conference that was so stacked. Now it's interesting to see like in the last like 10 years, how much that has shifted over to, to now where the the East is kind of the more dominant conference. So sticking with the Eastern conference, uh, runners up last year, Boston Celtics come in here at number four and maybe they would have been a little bit higher, but everything that happened with Ime Udoka, uh, him not being available for this season being suspended. Kind of like the whole Suns thing. It's got to have an impact. And this one probably even more so because he's their coach. Um, so they, they've got a guy stepping in uh, internally who's going to be handling that that interim role. Uh, we'll see how, how that affects everything. We were just talking about Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown needing to kind of step up and be more leaders and role models for the uh for the rest of their teammates. Al Horford is a, is a guy who I, I think is going to be very um, influential for this team as well, um, kind of off the court and on the court leadership. But they've got all the all the pieces that they had last year, and they added Malcolm Brogdon. So talent-wise, they're definitely there. It's just kind of those lingering chemistry and um, you know off-the-court issues that have been with the Celtics for quite a few years now rearing their ugly head once again. We'll see if the Celtics can make it back to the finals in spite of that, but our rankings just have them falling a little bit short. I think their roster definitely got better. Looking at Malcolm Brogdon, maybe we can stop hearing um, some of this Marcus Smart point guard talk. This isn't Oklahoma State, okay? Uh, here's your point guard, Malcolm Brogdon. Move on. Um in addition to adding that piece, I would just expect the players to naturally get better after making that uh, finals run. So looking at the players, the team should be better. Then there's the whole coaching situation. That really muddies the water. Uh, Joe mazula has got his work cut out for him to step into this uh, this tense situation, is what we're going to call it. Um the, the roster alone should make this an extremely competitive team that has like certainly a good chance at competing for a championship. But we really just need to see like how they respond to this adversity. Now, at number three, we've got the Philadelphia 76ers with NF or with MVP runner runner up 
Joel Embiid. Now, honestly, you can go back to episode 38 and listen to what we were talking about him. A lot of that discussion is going to be pertinent to what I'm saying here, but Embiid can be the best player on the court most nights when he wants to be. Uh, there aren't many teams that can stop him when he has it, when he's like determined he's going down low. Uh, he's going to like beast and feast in the post. Now it's not just effort or energy. Cause a lot of this comes down to health. This is a lot easier to do when you're not dealing with like a knee injury, for example. So can Embiid a stay healthy and B stay motivated to like get down low and do what you do best, which really is bang down low. If you're healthy enough to um, maintain that level of play, especially going deep into the playoffs, coupled with James Harden, who by all accounts seems like he's going to be taking a step forward this year instead of backward. Um, in addition to various other pieces, I mean, I'll let you mention some. I just want to make sure I get to mention Matisse Thibel, who they seem intent on not even playing, even though um, our appreciation of him has been well documented on this podcast. Uh, this Sixers team is built well and has enough like highly dynamic players that it's absolutely reasonable that they could be competing for a championship this year. It definitely is. This, this could be the Sixers year, honestly, uh, with how everything's shaken out with Harden looking in much better shape and, well, we'll see if that lasts. Uh, we'll see if he he's motivated and, and ready to go. But he looks like he is. Uh, Tyrese Maxey, one of the more exciting young guards in the NBA, uh, still only twenty one. Somehow improving. I mean, he, he improved so much last year's unbelievable for him. That random and uh, interesting trade where they got DeAnthony Melton from the Grizzlies. Uh, he's he should get some playing time right away for him. Uh, they signed Montrez Harrell to solidify the rebounding off the bench. Uh, Tobias Harris is still there, and while he's getting paid way too much money for what he's doing, he's still a great fourth option for you, um, scoring wise. Sometimes third, depending on how Max he's doing. But uh, this is a really good team. Doc Rivers is still a really good coach. The Sixers, they've got to have those championship aspirations. Um, and Embiid, I know he wants that MVP trophy so bad. We'll see if if he's able to to get it. And if he does, I wouldn't be ex- uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see the Sixers in the finals next year. But they're not in our favorites, even after all that. That comes down to two teams. And if you're keeping track at home, you know who these two teams are. Starting with number two. Giannis and his Milwaukee Bucks. You got to put them as the favorites as long as they've got this core of players together, as well as Coach Bud guiding the helm. Giannis is the best player in the league, uh, according to us and according to many other people as well. Uh, He is an absolute force offensively, defensively. uh, One of my favorite players to watch as well. Um, with the way that he can just dominate a game. And, you know, the the Bucks, they 
I, I know they are not happy with what happened last year. Uh, Chris Middleton not being able to play really hurt them, but he's going to be back this season. And uh, the rest of their roster, I mean, adding Joe Ingles, that could be an interesting, I mean, depending on how much he has left in the tank, but that could be an interesting addition for him. And they've still got those kind of core guys that they like, like Bobby Portis, Brooke Lopez. Of course, how could I forget Drew Holiday, um, the dynamic two-way presence that he is. Uh, so, you know, I it's it's hard to to not put the Bucks up near the top. And, you know, I think from what we've seen with the Bucks, obviously their, their championship a couple of years ago, and um, that same core being there, that same coaching staff being there, we got to put them as, as one of the favorites, but not number one. Um, that's reserved for another team. We've seen what the Bucks are capable of. Are capable of. They just did it, uh, not this past season, but the season before. We know from episode 38, Giannis is the best player in the NBA. I mean, you said according to us and according to others. I feel like we can just stop with according to us because, you know, as we said last week, we're always right. So when when we say something, we mean that. Uh, Giannis is the best player in the NBA. Uh, but yeah, looking at those other, like, uh, the other players on that roster and Drew Holiday, who I know you're a fan of as well, uh, phenomenal two-way player who a lot of uh, NBA players describe as the best defender in basketball. Uh, this is a, at least perimeter defender. This is a, um, a praise that he's been getting for the past, like, five years consistently. Um not to mention uh, what he brings you on offense, um, playmaking, shooting, penetrating. This is really a player that can do everything. Um, it's the defense, though, that's done at that elite level. Um, Bobby Portis, what a what a guy. Uh, what a personality. Um, I like the addition of Joe Ingles. I like the removal of Dante DiVincenzo. It makes me feel better about rooting for this team to succeed sometimes. Uh but while I love this team to come out of the East, although I'd prefer it to be the Hawks, they're not the favorite. There's one team left. And if you've been paying just decent attention at home or in the car or, you know, wherever you happen to be listening to this, at your local gym or library or grocery store, uh, you know, there's one team left, and that team is the reigning champion Golden State Warriors. Now, this is something we do not every time we do a tier list, but fairly regularly. You win the championship. You don't really lose major pieces from your roster. You come back. You're going to just uh, bring the squad back and go for it again. You get the number one, uh, the number one ranking when we do our tier list. <clears throat> now... Keeping all those factors in mind, usually when we do our new tier list, we're not looking at a dynasty, but that's what the Warriors are. Like, you take, I don't know, you take, like, the Bucks, right, who who just won the year before last, and, yeah, we still view them as a favorite, but when we put them, when we rank them highly, that's based on what they've done 
the, in the past two years. We're looking at the Warriors and what they've built over the last like 10, 12 years. Um, we have, we still have Steph Curry, uh, who we, uh, ranked as the number two best player in the NBA. Funny how that works out swapping one and two there. Um, with everything he's built there with Draymond and Clay Thompson. Of course, we have uh, the addition of young players, Jordan Poole, James Wiseman, and the like. Um, still have uh, a good coach in Steve Kerr. Like, and, and what's more is that with the Warriors and the way they play, they're success isn't predicated upon like elite athleticism. It's predicated upon like uh ball movement, uh, discipline and shooting. These are things that translate really well, like, or, or, uh, are maintained really well going from beginning to end of the season and going from one season to the next. There isn't really anything that we can point to as like, yes, this is why the warriors are about to fall off. Right. And, you know, we had the Warriors in the uh, hopefuls, I think, last season um, coming off of that tough year where Clay was out and it was kind of a little bit of a transition. But Steph's getting older, but he doesn't look like he's lost even a quarter of a step. He still looks just as good. And like all those players you mentioned, I mean, Jordan Poole coming out and being that third splash brother huge for them to, to help shoulder some of that offensive burden. Kuminga showed a lot of flashes. James Wiseman um, is going to actually play some this year and he's got a ton of talent. I mean, who can forget that he was the number two pick in the draft like a couple years ago. This guy hasn't even really been able to get his career kickstarted yet. He's got a ton of potential for him. Uh, they turn Andrew Wiggins into an all-star like I mean, they should just get a, a gold star and be number one just for doing that in the first place. <laughs> um, and then Andre Iguodala, that veteran presence, he's 38 years old, his 18th year in the league this season, and it's going to be his last, he has announced. Uh, that's basically like another coach on the court, like Udonis Haslam, but actually capable of playing meaningful minutes. Um so yeah, the Warriors, like we couldn't not put them number one. Do we think that they'll win the championship again? Like, I think they're the favorites too. Uh, it's always difficult when we revisit this tier list because we always say like, oh, well, we were three off in our ranking or whatever. Um, the whole idea is to just kind of get a sense of where each team is at. Uh, and so we, we think that the Bucks and the Warriors are the favorites. And so theoretically they would meet in the finals uh, in May next season, but or next year, I should say, but we don't know that's going to happen. But overall, like this whole tier list, that's just where we, in general, we think that they will end up uh, over the course of the season. It's going to be a good one. So much player movement. That's one of the reasons why the NBA is so great is that the off season is almost as entertaining as the, the, um, the actual like games that are being played. Uh, so, so many different players have changed new coaches uh, and we'll just see who ends up coming out on, uh, coming out on top warriors are our pick at number one. 
Um, but we have a lot of contenders. I mean, we had uh, two favorites and then, and we had uh, seven contenders with an additional seven hopefuls after them as well. So that's 16 teams that we think or at least have a hopeful or like a hopeful about potentially being able to win the championship or contending for a championship this year. Uh, that just, again, shows there's a lot of talent in the NBA. But realistically, uh, I think the Warriors and the Bucks are our, our, our top two favorites. And of course, we'll be posting this tier list on our social media so that like uh, you can take a look at it for yourself visually in case you don't have like the uh, 1 through 30 picture in your head or you weren't writing it down as we were going, weren't taking notes from the Mike and Dave podcast. But we will be posting that on social, uh, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Mike and Dave Pod. As always, we're happy to hear your thoughts. Uh, do you agree? Good. You probably should. Do you disagree? I don't know how you could, but we'd love to hear it anyway. They're probably Knicks or Lakers fans. Honestly. Uh, and if you're a Knicks fan, A, are you still holding on to that L from a couple years ago? <laughs> don't, don't let the media steer you astray. I know you remember that. Oh, yeah, the, the Knicks fans in the media oh yeah then Knicks got this like like eight to two or whatever it was i think it was i think it was more like 18 to four or something it was ridiculous but regardless that was a couple years ago we still think the hawks are gonna own the knicks and uh trade very getting very comfortable in madison square garden as always um now if you are a knicks fan and you're still listening to this why don't you go ahead and give us a five-star review um, if you've been enjoying this podcast. And if you're not a Knicks fan and have been enjoying this podcast, we would appreciate that as well uh, on whatever platform you're listening to us on, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, even SoundCloud. Um, that's where actually where we host our podcast and we post it there. We actually have some decent traction there. So if you want to um, listen over there, then you're more than welcome to. Um but I think that's that's about it for this episode. Thank you for sitting through as we go through our tier list for the 2022 NBA season. These are always a lot of fun to make. A lot of work goes into them. Um, and it's just fun to break down all the teams and, and get excited for the new NBA season. Uh, it's always a good time. And, and we're happy to, to share our thoughts with you and to also hear back from you as well. Of course, the NBA season is kicking off in just a couple of weeks. So we're almost there. And in two short weeks, we'll be back with episode 40. Uh, Dave alluded to the next edition of Top 5, which, if you remember, we had started a uh, Top 5 miniseries um, a few episodes ago. So we'll be continuing that NBA-themed miniseries on the next episode. So that's something to be excited for, I think. At least I'll be excited to prepare for it. I hope you'll be excited to listen for it. But until that point, and as always, this has been Mike. This has been Dave, and you've been listening to the Mike and Dave Podcast.